Kieran. I'm Hannah. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hey, Hannah. Hey, Kieran. How's it going? You know, I'm here and I did school this week. So that's the same. Um, I did school this week. Um, I slept most nights, and I have yet to murder a man. Yes, that's same same story here. I haven't yet murdered anybody. I feel very proud of myself. I feel like it's in like it's increasingly more and more of an achievement. Right. They, I mean, they're really not making it easy. It's like they're asking for it, but because we're like <laughs> nice normal people who are familiar with how consent works <laughs> we don't we're not we're not killing anybody right now my english te- class has basically been me teaching people about like how the patriarchy works because we're reading elaine brown and uh one of my classmates is a extremely uh cis white dude with egg vibes and he's like, I don't understand. You're gonna why. have to. Yeah, like, not everybody knows what egg, egg vibes are. I'll I will explain that after this story. Um, and he was like, I don't understand why like Elaine saw these men being like misogynistic and didn't necessarily do anything every time. And I was like, my dude, uh, <laughs> let me explain to you about how this works. It's not always safe to do that. It puts you in danger. You're not always listened to. Look at what happened this week with Dr. Ford. And I just laid it out. When I get that conversation, I usually just go straight to the news article from the situation in Pittsburgh where um, this femme was approached by a guy and like she didn't want to go dancing with him or let him buy her a drink. And she was like, I'm leaving, leave me alone. She left out the club and went outside and was like waiting for her Uber and he shot her. See that shit. That's that shit exactly why. why we don't do this. Anyway, what are we talking about this week, Hannah? Um, how to not kill anyone when you're angry at the patriarchy, AKA self care. Yes. And this good. includes yourself. Not to kill anyone, including yourself. Including yourself. And we have somebody with us today who's been a part of this podcast forever since we started. And basically. he's he's always with us every every time we record, basically, but this time like he's actually participating. Aaron, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi you guys. Hey Aaron. I'm Aaron. I have been, as they said, part of this podcast from the start. Um, always on the editing side though. So this is a little weird, uh, being on the other side of the microphone, as it were. So yeah, you had to. to you here. had to. St- didn't you have to like steal your microphone from your job? No, I borrowed it. I'll take it back Monday or Tuesday. Okay. You know. Would you want to tell people what your job is? So I work for a large mega church, evangelical church in Akron, Ohio. I am the video director, so I'm responsible for all of the content that goes on the screens during the service, make the pastor's slides, song lyrics, et cetera, et cetera, as well as all of the uh, web updates for the organization and making sure that the uh, sermon, video, and audio podcast is up and running each week. So doing um, work with us is, is functionally like reparations for whatever damage that church is doing? Uh, you could... Yeah, I guess you could put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> We're really glad that you're helping us. Um, we've had a couple people offer to um, fix our audio after our first episode, which the audio is, like, <laughs> granted terrible, um, because I was editing it, and I don't know how to do that. And I was like, no, 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 we've got someone now. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. So self-care, why are we talking about it this week besides that we've all lived this week which I guess is really why we're talking about it. Well, Aaron and I were talking about this a couple days ago, and I feel like he should take the lead on it because, like, this is kind of the the we can you and I have been here, and you and I have been practicing self care for a long time. But um, like, what it is and why it's important is like a little harder to grasp, especially if you come from 
an evangelical background where emotional needs are generally disregarded as like sinful desires and you're not supposed to trust your body or your emotions. Yeah, sure. Um, for me, it's a little different and you know, my upbringing wasn't nearly as fundamental as either of you two. Um, but I grew up in a family where, you know, the man is supposed to be the strong man and, uh, take care of the family and, um, you can't show emotional weakness because you have to be strong. And so I basically was taught in inadvertently, I guess you could say, you don't need to worry about that. You need to take care of yourself because your job is to take care of others. And so it wasn't really until probably in the last five years or so that I started recognizing through my wife, mostly, it was like, you need to take care of some stuff. Um, that I started seeing a therapist and was realizing, oh, I've got stuff to work on here. I need to take care of myself. I need to set aside time to be with myself, to be by myself, and to take care of myself. Because if I can't, then whether or not it's my job to take care of those around me, I can't if I'm not taking care of myself. Yeah. My sister likes to say that, um, and I'm sure this came from a meme on the internet somewhere, but she likes to say that like we are complicated houseplants with feelings. Which is kind of my favorite. My favorite thing is uh, brains are chemical soup, (laughs) and they're just a very hard balance. Sometimes the soup is off. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, I mean, for for me, like self care has always been something that was questionable because there's this like sense of um, suffering is important for holiness. And I think there was um, an article that was going around this week that was interesting. It was a study done of Calvinist households and saying that um, Calvinism predisposes couples to domestic violence um, because the theology of suffering as godly or holy makes you um, more inclined to put up with stuff longer. And so having that kind of same, like, base, that basis for my relationship with my myself and my body, um, it's, like, really hard to <laughs> slow down and tell myself, like, you're doing enough. You don't need to, like, work harder. You don't need to, you know, beat yourself up for not doing more or doing better. Yeah, and one thing that I've been trying to incorporate more when I interact with people um since I've had this realization that self-care is essential to a healthy being, to a healthy self, is that when I'm, when I see somebody struggling with something, I'll say, hey, take care of yourself. Hey, are you mm-hmm. doing the self-care that you need? And I don't take that lightly. I don't say it flippantly. Mm-hmm. I mean that as a think about that. Do what you need to do to recharge. I, I mean, I, I will give a similar admonition where it's like, you know, be nice to my friend. Hmm. <laughs> like, yes. you're you, like... I care about my people more than they care about themselves often. And so I feel like, hey, don't diss me by being mean to my friend. Like, take care of my friend. Definitely. That's what uh, some of my friends have been telling me lately, too. They're like, don't beat up on Kieran. They're fine. (laughs) Be nice to them. I like them. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, can, <laughs> I like I, can, I like Kieran more that. than Kieran likes Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which like, is okay. so true. Sometimes that uh, how often when you're feeling down, you just don't like yourself, and to have somebody yeah. else say to you, "Hey, I like you. I care for you. Do what you need to do." Yeah, is really yeah. helpful. It is really helpful. Yeah, self care for me has also been like a hard thing because I was never meant to value myself. So when I was growing up, my entire purpose was to be my mom's like arms and legs when she was just pregnant. So there was, I was never supposed to have any needs. So learning that I had needs and learning that it was okay to have needs. And on top of that, that it's okay to take care of those needs is something that's been a huge like process to go through it's it's hard and it's hard to it's hard to admit that um you're weak when and you need help and you need that kind of space when you've been on the defensive for so long um 
I joke that I grew up in a surveillance state because I kind of did. And so I think there's there's something about that mindset of like trying to tough it out and survive and not like show vulnerability because it'll be used against you is bit has yep. like it's poisoned um, a lot of my siblings and I like struggle to be vulnerable with each other. Um, I think we like genuinely like and respect each other and have each other's backs. But there's this like emotional distance that is that we're like trying to offset um, potential risk always um, because we don't want to be found out still, even though there's like nothing to be afraid of. And like we, as I said, like each other and have each other's backs. Like there's this, this sense of like, I can't admit that I have needs because that means that I'm going to get punished. You've been conditioned. Mm -hmm. You've trained yourself to not ever be vulnerable and so part of self-care for me has been unlearning some of those things even mm-hmm. where I have to be vulnerable with my therapist, with myself in a way that I've never, never had to learn how to do um, growing up. I have to learn how to like not see my therapist as an authority figure. Like that's been a constant challenge. Um, yes. Like not feeling like, oh, I have to like just like a like treat you like someone to I have to like confess to like an accountability partner but like also like there's not going to be any repercussions for being open exactly I've actually yeah. started getting to a point with my therapist where I'm saying I'm thinking about this thing I'm not sure how to process it but I need to keep thinking about it so remind me next time mm. so that we can talk about it first thing because I'm going to forget <laughs> mm-hmm. to bring it up or I'm going to be hesitant to bring it up and trying to treat it as more of a partnership and working through all of these issues. Yeah. My relationship with my therapist is basically like a brain dump on someone who knows how to hold it. Mm. So I just like talk about everything and she just like holds it and then asks really good pointed questions that help. So with my therapist, we don't do talk therapy because I... Um, again, trying to not see them as an authority figure. That's like one easy way to shortcut that. Um, Two, like I literally can't afford to like go through the the years of therapy that it would require to like catch someone up on where I've been. At some point, I'll probably find a talk therapist and I'll just hand them this podcast and be like, all right, let's go. (laughs) Here, listen to it, thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Here's your homework. Let's meet next month. Um, But (laughs) I have this... Uh, I do EMDR, and she's a, a yoga teacher and a professor um, and an expert in, in this field of, like, how your body responds to trauma. And so we do a lot of, like, lying on the floor and, like, opening up spaces in the body and, like, meditating and breathing and then, like, working through vis- visualizations and EMDR stuff. So th- it's really good, but, like, last week I, like, ended up just crying on the floor for the entire hour but I like came in and I was like I'm not wearing my shoes I'm sitting on the floor and like I'm bringing my dog and I can't breathe if I have my bra on so I'm taking that off and like I am the boss here because I have hired you to help me and this is what I need right now and she was super excited about it because she's great um but it's taken me like five years of therapy to get to a point with a practitioner and it's not the same practitioner this whole time but it's just like getting used to that process where i can like all right this is my space right now Mm -hmm. yeah so other than therapy what do you two do on the regular for self-care what do you try to do most or what's your go-to i guess i usually it depends on whether or not i need to distance myself or I need to ground myself so if I need to ground myself I will uh like walk around Lake Merritt at around the time everyone is walking their dogs which is conveniently also around the time I get home from school Mm -hmm. uh, or walk home from school and I will just walk and look at people's dogs and Mm -hmm. there's this dock um that I usually sit on and I just like sit there and meditate and draw or write uh, and if I need to disassociate and just like not be part of the world for a bit, I will play video games and I will either play The Sims 4 because it is super chill and you can yep. just be and live life without worrying about anything. 
Angie can have pets now, so I have this really <laughs> cute gay couple and a dog, and it is it is good. Is it is it uh, your pet gay couple? Basically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll play Destiny too if I need to like take out anger and mm, just like yes. kill aliens. So those are my yeah. It's like the simulated version of punching the pillow. <sighs> yes, exactly. God, I need to get a punching bag. Um, so I, again, we, it depends on what what the need is. I've got a whole like toolbox full of tricks that I, I use. My go-to, often the most like time efficient thing is um, I take a nap. Like I, I do power naps, 15, 20 minutes. And, um, and it just kind of resets my brain, the, like wherever my emotions are, um, because something about the sleep mechanism um, records memories differently. Um, and so it, like, it helps me metabolize whatever has just happened a little bit without me having to like actively engage it. So I'll take a, I'll take a power nap or um, I'll make a cup, cup of coffee and then like restart wherever I'm, I'm where I left off. Um, and then like having this dog has been insanely good for me. Like, being able to just go for a walk with her, um, take her to the dog park, just get out of the house and like leave my phone behind for like 45 minutes to an hour while she like goes and plays. Um, she's so awkward and funny and just like, <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like watching her like play with the other puppies at the park is just hilarious. And it, that's a stress reliever. Um, I also have like, you know, if I need to like check out or process something, I, I will, um, do things to turn my brain off. So I will go read in the bathtub or I'll like binge watch a show. Um, and again, usually that's like trying to like get my, like stop observing my brain in action, stop observing myself processing something and just like let it incubate wherever it needs to go. And then it'll pop up later in a more developed form. That's interesting. I'd never heard the the part where you're saying about taking a power nap and how it um, helps solidify or metabolize your memories. What's um, I'm interested to hear. Is that something you'd studied before or read about? Um, I have a. I mean, I have read about it in various places. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm writing a memoir, and one of the things that you that is talked a lot about is kind of the stuff that was talked about with Dr. Ford's testimony. Is like, how do you remember things? Um, and how, how does the brain like actually like, um, solidify memories. And, um, a lot of the time when you look at like recall for like, um, witnesses to like an accident or, um, a robbery or whatever you, they, it's really easy to place details, um, Suggestively, so be like, yeah, was he wearing a red shirt? Yeah, of course he was wearing a shirt, red shirt, and suddenly you remember that. Um, right. And so, if you don't look at something too closely, you can almost preserve it better. Um, so, if I am like something's bothering me, something's off, and I am like looking for the trigger, I can't always find it by looking at it at things directly. Kind of let it simmer in the background. Yeah, I have to go. I have huh. to like let my brain do its own thing and like go do something else. It's like running a background process on like your laptop. Um, yeah. So I and I don't know. My mom and I have always done this. Like she she would do this to cope with stuff at home. Um, so I learned it from her, and she's a nurse. And I think she was the one who introduced me to some of the science behind it. Um, but like twenty minutes is enough time for your 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 brain to like fall into deep sleep and like cycle back out so um like 20 minute increments 20 40 um like 120 those are like the 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 limits that you need to do to have like um a successful nap that's not gonna like leave you super tired and groggy so i am not an expert on any of this but this is just anecdotally stuff I've, i've been tinkering with for a long time this is what works for me that's interesting yeah i feel like i should try that but my brain also does this thing where, like, if I lay down and then I'm quiet and then everything starts turning in, like, a very loud loop and I can't turn it off and I'm like, okay, I need to actually go do something. So I'm, like, distracting myself. Yeah, right. So um, for me, 
I have almost like conditioned myself to do this now after I mean I've been doing this since college um and it's now gotten to the point where like if something emotionally intense happens I get really sleepy immediately ah so like my it's like my body knows like we're gonna just go like check out for a bit um, okay, you. We uh, need to process this. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey can you listen now? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, and sometimes I'll even do the thing. I don't know if you are familiar with this, but like the 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 way caffeine hits your system, like it takes twenty minutes to like hit. Right. So usually I'll like have a cup of coffee before I take that nap. I've heard about that, that too, makes where sense. that actually helps you when you're done with your nap to be more alert yep. instead of super groggy. Yep. It, so it's it's been, yeah, I don't know. It's a method that I've been using for years and it's always been pretty fruitful. Um, but I think one thing I was thinking about when we talked about, um, I want to take a minute to note, we were talking about self-care and why it's important, um, especially for people who have survived trauma or violence. The self-care options that are available kind of mimic the flight or fight response and it's it's ways of like capturing that and channeling it into healthy outlets um rather than causing chaos i think one thing that is important to note is because i grew up in such a state of of crisis or chaos all the time um and with like apocalyptic thinking about like the world and like how things are going to end and like it was always like politically a crisis it just I, like you and you and I've talked about this a yeah. lot. Like this moment, like the way, <laughs> especially white women are responding to what happened yesterday, is like it feels like how we grew up. It feels it like the the catastrophizing of of politics and life that that the homeschool fundamentalist quiverful people had when they were like yeah but the we're the most persecuted people and the world's about to end so i have to be careful not to artificially generate crises to keep myself stable um like i feel like i'm i'm used to functioning at like a certain level of stress and so like (laughs) if i'm in a relationship this is like when i go and like start a fight <laughs> i'm like i need yeah. i need an emotional release so i'm gonna go pick on you until like you blow up and then i blow up and then i have a good cry and then i feel great like or <laughs> like i have to go like fix something or like find some battle to take on and so um actively subverting that so that i don't hurt the people around me that i love um and don't like create more trouble for myself later is like one thing that my my self-care habits are always like geared around mm-hmm. it sounds like one of the reconditioning things we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. like just recognizing that that's something your body it says it needs but recognizing now that you don't need that and so how can i how can i change that how can i channel that into something else healthily well if you've been disassociated for so long like you may not be aware of like how adrenaline is processing in your body like those these are these are like actual biological needs like the fight or flight response like your limbic arousal state is Mm -hmm. is activated you're in there is adrenaline in your system that you have to like release and literally process um and so this is why you know i joke about like i want a punching bag i want to tire myself out i want to get to some extreme physically or emotionally so that I can have that like release. Um, I can catharsize it. So finding ways to do that or to wait long enough for it to naturally level back down. Um, This is why when you do um, trauma-based therapy around the body, like they'll have you do like cross body um, like touching. So you like, like put one hand on your belly and one hand on your heart and that like, Re, it's your parasympathetic it's whatever you're breathing and your heart rate linking them back mm-hmm. together and like bringing them both back down um so i forget the term it's parasympathetic i think um but it's whatever that is like it's cocooning yourself and like regulating your breathing and letting it like that process occur naturally rather than forcing it so watching a TV show or 
binging mm-hmm. or, you know, playing with Sims or taking that walk is probably a way of doing that, changing your environment. It's like resetting all those things. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, one of the other ways that self-care happens is we've, we've talked a lot about like disassociating and grounding and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but some something that's sometimes really helpful for me, especially when I'm feeling powerless and angry and I need I need to feel like I can change something is to like directly engage in a project that like makes my corner of the world better. So like kind of the way that I wound up handling a lot of the stress this week is I'm organizing on campus Mm -hmm. and like coming out week is this week on campus and I'm one of the forces behind all the events that are happening and I was able to just sort of like I spent a lot of time just working on organizing that this week and just like actively it, it felt like I was actively thwarting what was happening because while everything is going down and making things like harder for anyone who isn't a cis straight white dude at least at laney there's like going to be a little tiny pocket that is safe for all of the queers yeah Yeah. i'm doing similar things here i've got um like voluntarily ripped in um voluntold into helping with uh (laughs) with the mental health america's roanoke chapter the um their office is the only office like only free mental health clinic in all of virginia and they're doing a fundraiser um, in a couple weeks. And so I'm helping, like, with the organization for that. So, I mean, I can't directly contribute, but I have, like, lots of ideas and, then, like, lots of experience with this kind of stuff. And so I can, like, be present in the room and, like, help facilitate these things that um, will directly benefit the people who are going to be hurt by Brett Kavanaugh and whatever policies that he upholds. My uh, my self care has taken on a little bit of a different role. It's there's some similarities there where I I want to be able to create a better world around kind of myself. I've always been a very creative person. Um, loved music. Have a music degree that I don't use anymore, <laughs> and it's a big part of my world that I don't get to use. I don't get to do that anymore. Um, and so I've kind of channeled that into a creative outlet for myself. I had somebody who basically donated an entire wood shop full of equipment Hmm. um, because I said I was interested in building things and becoming a woodworker and he was too old to use it anymore. Hmm. And so in my garage, I have a whole bunch of really nice woodworking equipment. And, and so I've been spending a lot of time on YouTube. I have probably six different channels I subscribe to that are all makers of some kind. And I'm trying to learn techniques from them and, and trying to figure out different ways to build things with my hands to mm-hmm. have this creative outlet. And I've built three or four different things and only one of them has been for myself. I've been trying to give these things to other people because I like them. I care for them. And look at this cool thing I built. Mm-hmm. You get to have it. So do you have a lathe, a wood lathe? <laughs> I do. It's a really old one. It's from like the 30s. That's fine. I, <laughs> I, I, I use lathes from the 30s. Um, so when I go to Akron this winter. Um, I should say hi and hang out in the wood shop garage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Kieran's gonna, <laughs> Kieran's gonna, to get, gonna like, get down on one knee and be like, will you be my shop husband? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I just borrow your lady? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I think doing this podcast is a little like that for me. It's something I can give away that is educating people. Yeah. Um, like, so I'm super angry all the time because I see all these connections and um, I know I'm not making it up or crazy. So let me like bring you up to speed with what I see and yeah. um, do it in like bite sized portions. Yeah, that's what this feels like for me, too. It's really cathartic. And it's also like, here, let me tell you what's happening and how these dots are connected, because I know how these dots are connected. And it seems like you should know. Yeah. I was talking to one of the local political organizers here about, like, why I'm doing this as opposed to, like, working with one of the campaigns here. Um, I don't really have time to do that with school. I do have time to do this. And I feel like this reaches a similar demographic of people who are a little bit confused about what's going on and really want to understand more. 
and know how to like change or work work against whatever's happening. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I I should be more active in the midterms, and I'm definitely following everything and encouraging people to vote and like. Um, but I feel like this is like this is what I can contribute right now. Yeah, a lot of my like election work right now is basically helping out with uh, the organizations that I'm involved in, setting up things for them. But also, I'm mostly just going to make a slate card and hand it out to all my friends on campus and tell them to vote. And that's my contribution on top mm-hmm. of like this. <laughs> I'm. I will say, like, dear listeners, they are. There's uh glitches in systems that I don't know if, if it's hacking or or um, tampering but people are finding that they're removed from voter rolls when they get to the polls I've been seeing that so make yep. sure that you have all your documentation with you and in order when you go to vote and insist on like being given um, they have supplemental forms and it takes a little bit longer but you can still do it even if it says that you're not showing up in the system just push for it. Um, but also, yep. like, check online, like, every couple weeks to make sure that you're still registered. They cannot deny you the right to vote. Yep. I was a poll worker. They're not allowed to do it. If they do it, cause a stink, because it's legal. And yep. they have to give you at least a provisional ballot. Yep. So stand up for your rights and make sure that you're able to do it. And um, I know that, like, local um, organizers are, you know, in almost every precinct they're like coordinating rides so if you can't get to the polls put out feelers on facebook find someone who will give you a ride find someone you can carpool with um they are out there and they're offering i feel like saw something somewhere that might have been uber is giving free rides to polls yeah i was gonna just mention that i think it's uber too yeah i think it is uber that's doing that so there's 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 solutions go find them and if you can't do that, you can request a mail-in ballot. I think you can probably still request it this week. Yeah, it might. Fast. Yeah, I think it's like yeah, a month check out. Check your local deadlines. Che- yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you for that little moment. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone vote. go vote. Everyone go for vote for whatever please. remains of our democracy. And and if you have extra time, like go knock on doors, like whatever your local race is, go knock on doors. Try to get people out. Just try to get. You can just getting people to the the fucking polls is really the name of the game right now. Yep. Yep. Um, so other self care things, other tricks that you've learned, other things that surprised you about how your your life and your body started responding once you started listening to your own needs. It was hard at first when I finally recognized, oh, I really need to get out of this house by myself, no kids, no one to worry about. And like the first couple times I did that, I was stuck in the car in a parking lot going, what do I do? <laughs> Where do I go? <laughs> right. I guess I could see a movie. Oh, sure, why not? And it just, it took a while of kind of that listening to my body aspect to to realize that no, none of that was really cutting it. And that's when I started mm-hmm. to pursue the woodworking thing and... Um, just taking the time. Don't give up. Don't be frustrated. I mean, you can be frustrated <laughs> all you want, but don't give in to the frustration and just recognize that everyone needs it. Or if you just keep pursuing it. Have your frustration, take it to the gym. <laughs> Find a punching bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been, um, I was hitting the trail. This taught me silent screaming. Do tell. Which is like. We're, we're both like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. No, so silent screaming is basically just like you make. Like you're going to scream, but you don't actually yell. You just scream silently like this. Okay. The mic picked that up. <laughs> you won't hear it. Um, and and it's really helpful. And so sometimes this is just like for a solid couple weeks or months really earlier this year, my partner and I just like in the morning would just look at each other over our coffee and just scream silently at each other. And it was just like <laughs> it does the release that screaming gives you. Yeah. But it doesn't like worry. The well, it's neighbors. like the full body engagement, like mm-hmm. yeah. just getting go, going and excising the adrenaline somehow, like by engaging your entire body. Um, like earlier this year, I was going um, like trail running, and I hate running, and I love tra- hiking, and I love being outside, and I'm not very good, like not very in shape. Um, I don't have a lot of stamina for that kind of stuff. 
but just like getting myself to the point of like exhaustion so I could just exist <laughs> was really nice. Hmm. Just wearing your body down to a point where you could actually relax. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, which is like probably an abusive relationship tactic and is something I need to, you know, keep working on, but Hey, it's a, it's a start. <laughs> Yeah. In the meantime, it helps. In the meantime, yeah. it helps. Um, okay, so part two to that question, Aaron. Yes. How can uh, how can dudes be helping? I guess Karen, you can you can answer this too, although maybe less. Not less, really. No, you, you got you got like far less privilege. Okay, so how can privileged individuals be um, helping sexual assault survivors get through this fucking news cycle? That is a hard question, um, and it's something I've been struggling with. I have, I'm not one to get involved politically anyway, but the one thing that I've learned, especially this past week, has been to check in. Um, I spent all of a, a good part of last night texting almost all the women that I know, or at least have a close enough relationship to where I could just randomly text them mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, how you doing tonight?" And some of them were like, I'm fine, okay. And they're like, what's up? I don't know, just checking in after this week. I know it's been hard for everyone, just making sure you're okay. And some of them were like, yeah, thanks, great. And some of the others were like, it spawned into an hour-long conversation. Mm. And by the end of it, they're just like, oh, thank you. Um, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything. Um, but it's a practical it way that, of like doing emotional labor. Yes. Um, I really appreciated it. Thanks. Um, and just sitting back and listening is a big one. Um, and one of the conversations I had was, um, I didn't have a lot to offer them, but it was good to just sit back and listen, um, and, and hear what she was having to say and being a sounding board for some of the, the, the thoughts she was having. And it was just really nice. It was really nice to, to just be there for somebody without any kind of agenda or, any purpose necessarily other than be a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I feel like that's really important. Yeah. I had a friend this week, like somewhere midweek, she Venmoed me $25 and was like, this is for wine. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that's so nice. And she didn't have to do that. And then, you know, she's also a, a survivor of, of all of this stuff. Um, so she gets it. But it was just it was just nice to feel like I don't know, seen. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that was just like it was a concrete gesture of solidarity. Um let me turn the question back on you. What would you like to see more cis white dudes do? Speaking for both myself and my <laughs> brethren, as it were. <laughs> and I know I'm very potentially opening a huge can of worms, but here we go. Karen, you start. <laughs> I mean, like, listening and validating that that's okay is, is a good place. It's like that, like, people are having their feelings and just understanding that and not taking that personally is huge. But also, like, talk to your own people. Like, tell them this shit isn't okay. Be like, yeah. that's not cool. You can't treat people like this. Like, th- that's where it has to come from, really. I That's something that I've noticed weirdly uh, in in English class Mm -hmm. now is like, because I'm trans masculine, no one in my class reads me as a girl, but all of my experiences are that of growing up as a woman, right? Mm -hmm. So I have all of this insight, insight, (laughs) it's really just life experience, um, as to what it's like, and I can explain things like why why women aren't like why women like let men let men wear the wear them down or, or go along with things or don't always cause like a fuss or whatever why they don't speak up and report things because i grew up that way and and what i'm noticing is the men in the class are listening to me because i have a deep voice and they're like i was never taught any of that and i'm like no shit you weren't you're a dude like right. <laughs> No, you weren't taught that. I was. I was taught that. And I'm telling you, this is what we're taught. And this is why we have a problem. And it's weird 
and interesting and frustrating yeah. like watching that sink in because just because of my voice like if another if another girl in class had said the same things they wouldn't have listened the same way oh not at all they would have gone over their heads and they would have shrugged it off yeah 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 um do we need a whole other podcast for your answer <laughs> <laughs> i i think i think that what it boils down to is not participating in apathy because you hate your gender <laughs> yeah. or like because you're afraid of our anger um that's really hard just saying <laughs> but i get it like the 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 degrees the quality of what we are afraid of when we are afraid of male anger is so mm-hmm universally different than what men are afraid of when they are afraid of our anger when men are afraid of our anger they are afraid of feeling like shit yep when when we're afraid we're afraid of dying we're afraid of dying (laughs) like this is what we were talking about earlier i just don't don't want to die um they don't get it and so we don't get it right and so it's it's kind of like the the it's just fragility stuff like stop being a pansy ass <laughs> butthead and like put your skin on the line and like listen and absorb and like put yourself in the fire hose go find somewhere on the internet some in- very intelligent femme is going to be spouting off about this go find it go listen and then take it seriously and like go like be proactive to educate yourself and then be proactive to do like what you're doing reaching out um putting an effort like i i was really overwhelmed this earlier this week i had um a man corner me and he didn't mean to but it was it was just this like really bad moment where i got really triggered because he was talking about the news and he wanted to apologize and he was like, you know, I just, I just hate myself and I hate my gender and da 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 da. And I was just like, don't do no. that. Do not do that. There's, um, there's a Venn diagram somewhere on the internet about like how to handle no. um, grief and how to no. like properly, um, support people who are grieving. And that's that's applicable right now because don't go apologizing. Don't go making someone, um, comfort you in your grief for this moment because you're struggling to understand what's happening or what we're going through and you feel bad about it, go mm-hmm. to someone outside of like a privileged degree further out. Go to someone who's a peer, someone who like is experiencing the same things and like go vent about that there. Don't bring that into the circle down the privileged ladder. Like do not bring it to someone who is already conditioned to placate you and emotionally support you and affirm you by like obligation. And this is like the whole point of this whole um, news cycle right now. Like it's like women have been have been groomed to just take it. And so when you go and say, I hate my gender, yep. I'm so sorry. Don't go looking to us for absolution. This is what I, we said last week. Don't be sorry, be better. Um, don't make us feel your guilt and like when you when we talk about or when there are conversations about um white fragility and race and white guilt um and racism there's um this this same conversation comes up where it's like i don't want to like the the black community or the people of color they're they're they don't want to hear about how we feel bad and we need to take that elsewhere and not bring that down to them. Don't bring that into their their spaces. Yep. Don't demand that kind of like emotional support. Um, and so when men go to me this week right now for emotional support, I'm just like, shine the <laughs> <laughs> Just like, get out. <laughs> Don't. 
You are not understanding the gravity of what is happening if you're coming to women for help to deal with your feelings about men being shit. If you're a dude and you feel bad about men being shit, handle that on your own. Talk to other men about how everything going down is terrible and how you need to do better. Don't bring it to not men. You've got enough. Yeah, bring bring a plan. Like, do something. Have actions. Like, go educate yourself to the point where, like, you don't need us to tell you what to do. We've written about it and talked about it. Just go listen. Yes, and this is something that I've been uh, learning a lot in the last few years. Um, fairly new to feminism and um, the role that it plays. And it's been hard. You know, when shit happens and shit hits the fan like it has in the last couple of weeks... I want it, my gut reaction is to go because I know I'm not like those guys. I know I'm not like the Brett Kavanaugh's or the any other sexual abusers. But my instinct is to go to the women I know and say I'm not like that. And see the Trust instinct me. you see, like and I'm sorry the instinct you even I said know. that my, my like hackles are up. I'm like oh sure I'm like I know phys- my, I'm yeah. like physically responding to you being like oh, I'm not like that and I'm like if you say that you are. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Exactly. And I know that I can't go to anyone and say that. Um, and for me, <laughs> process, well, how do I handle that then? Where do I take it? Where do I go? I loved what you said, Hannah, about take it up the, the, the chain, up the ladder of privilege, not down. And that really helped me kind of put a frame of reference on, well, if I need to talk to somebody about how... I don't see myself as these other people. How do I handle that? Where do I go? And it's okay. I got to talk to somebody who's a peer. I got to talk to somebody who's up the privilege chain ahead of me somewhere and figure out with them what that can mean, what that can entail. Because anybody else under the lower on the chain cannot hear that. They won't hear that. They'll be angered by hearing it. Um, Because it will reinforce whatever oppression and trauma that they have been experiencing yeah um because it'll it'll just like replicate the power differentials that they have lived for their entire lives yeah and it just reminds them that like their pain isn't the one that matters right now even though their pain is the one that's being talked about so fun (laughs) this is a great cycle that just caves in on itself (laughs) it's so good And, and another thing that i've been learning too is that when doing that when saying to somebody else oh, I'm so sorry, you know, help me feel better about this. That's when it becomes about me. That's when it becomes about my guilt and my shame for the other people that are in my peer group and not about listening to the women or to the the, um, survivors of sexual abuse. And it just, you know, turns the cycle back on myself, which is not helpful. And we've talked a bit about spoon theory on this, I think, um, which is – irrelevant analogy it's the the idea it's it's specifically designed to talk about um chronic disability or chronic illness um and how you you know each task requires like a spoon yeah a certain amount of spoons or a certain amount of spoons and this is this came out of like a, a a late night diner conversation that somebody wrote up on on the internet and has taken off but like so if like getting out of bed takes a spoon and making coffee get, takes a spoon and getting dressed takes a spoon, like um, people who don't have chronic disabilities often wake up with in, like infinite numbers of spoons, you know, mm-hmm. 50 or 100. Um, and they can get through the day just fine and they might have some spoons left over. And um, people with chronic disability or um, like who are dealing with the, the physical ramifications of trauma in the body often wake up with fewer spoons, maybe like five or six or 10. And they have to ration them and they have to figure out like, how am I going to spend these throughout the day? And I think emotional labor works a little bit the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, When you have been suffering under these various power differentials, these intersections of um, oppressive systems for your entire life, you only have so many spoons to give toward resisting those those things otherwise um it just take, it just takes a lot out of you to like push back and so you know someone who is a dude who i i care about deeply um texted me late last night being like dating sucks 
And I just wanted to respond to him with like, talk to everyone else about that. Like, you know, it, I had to like calm myself. Can't talk about it. Nope, don't want to yeah. hear it. Just like not this week. Wrong, wrong. Like new number. Who's this? Um, yep. And like, he's he's a good person. Who's like been a good friend to me, and that's that's fine. We worked it out. I talked about that a little bit. I pushed back on it a little, but that's something to be aware of with this this week like just being engaged in the news takes spoons yep, for yep. those of us who are going to be affected by this so be aware of what kind of things you're asking um people down the privilege ladder from you to do for you emotional labor wise because they probably have fewer spoons this week and and then most of their spoons are taking up with just trying to like get through this week yeah and it can be hard when you wake up and you have to calculate how many spoons you're going to have to spend today. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you recognize there's not going to be any left, if anything happens that wasn't accounted for during the day, gone. that can just ruin everything. Yep. Yep. Just done. Just done. Yep. Um, do we want to save the questions, the listener questions for the next episode, or do we want to try to tack on some on here? Uh, like those could be an episode in themselves. So let's save okay. them. We got some really great questions in. Um, L- listener but Bethany, they will take a long time. Yeah, yeah, listener Bethany, we hear you. Um, you have some fantastic questions, and we will try to get to them next time. They're really good. They will just take forever to answer. <laughs> All right. So, what are you gonna do to self care today? I was just gonna ask you that. Uh, um, I think I want to go see A Star is Born. Um, I, uh, I, something I did for self-care today is I went into my kitchen this morning and I poured out my bottle of whiskey in the sink because I don't want to, um, keep using that to disassociate. I want to, like, be careful about, like, how, I don't, I mean, I live alone, so, like, I only have myself for accountability, but um, yeah, I just don't want to have to worry about myself. Good job. And so um, I'm going to go find things to do that like take me outside of the house. And like I'm going to go scrub something and you know get out energy there. For me, I know I have to parent a lot this afternoon, which takes it out of me so much. So in the meantime, I'm probably going to take a nap because <laughs> Sunday afternoons are born for naps. Yes. Yes. Um, especially when I have to be at work at 7 in the morning. Oof. Um, <laughs> and then I don't know Why? what else. We'll see. Yeah, because I work at a church. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm gonna visit a friend of mine. Um, up in North East Bay, Deep East Bay. Uh, and then I think I'm gonna ride my bike for a bit. Sounds nice. Yeah. I have um a bunch of art supplies, and I keep meaning to do some sort of art thing and i just remembered that maybe i'll do that later yes do that awesome creating things thanks for listening thank you for joining us so glad to be here yeah and um listeners take care of yourself this week don't engage more than you need to stay with us and whatever that takes find something that brings you joy and recharges you yeah yes Self-care is important. The way I like to describe it is self-care is uh, a radical act, and it is a radical act of resistance. So take care of yourselves. All right. Thanks for joining us. Come um, subscribe to our Patreon and um, get access to these things earlier rather than later, and send us your questions. See you next week. Bye. Bye.